0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word,
1: you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Good morning. Uh, It's uh, great to be here with you today. And... An anniversary of sorts for christine and i arriving in the next few days and that is it was 20 years ago uh next this upcoming weekend uh that christine and i and our sons arrived in victoria and we were um pastoring and and i I know they just stepped up i'm gonna tell the story anyway um we were pastoring at a church in Abbotsford for eight years, and uh, at the end of that time, uh, the church, uh, we were just in need of some support. And uh, I remember sitting in a board meeting, and um, as we were wrestling with some very significant issues, oh, I'm glad Lorraine's here, and we are wrestling with some very significant issues, and I said, I know a guy and uh, I know a guy. And um, I, right then in the meeting, I called Bruce and I said, "Bruce, I said, we need some help. Would you come over to help us?" And Bruce was like, "I've been waiting for your phone call." <laughs> and for a couple of years, Bruce uh, and Lorraine would come over and serve this church and speak there on a Sunday and and uh, really just connected. And it was during that time that we had some uh, connected hearts took place and. Um, it was uh, 20 years ago that uh, we arrived, and so it was just such a gift for us, this gift of invitation that Bruce and Lorraine offered to us. And um, when we arrived that first Sunday, there was we'd been over to visit a couple of times, but I was looking around this morning, and I do see a couple of faces that were at this small little church called Lion of Judah, to tell i was working in a school at the time so we were pastoring and then i took a couple of years off and then that's when we came here and they're like so you're you're moving to victoria yes i am oh and you're gonna you be, be involved in a church oh what what denomination is it well it's not really a denomination oh what's the name of the church well it's called line of judah and they're like what <laughs> but uh, an incredible gift to us and so Thank you, Lorraine and Bruce, when he makes his way back in here. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. I have an interesting title for the message today that will become evident in a couple of moments. And uh, the message is called, um, Ever Worn a Cantaloupe Jacket? Have you ever worn a cantaloupe jacket? And uh, I'm cantaloupe in color. Have you ever worn a cantaloupe jacket? But let's read uh, first uh, Luke chapter 6, about 11 verses, and then we'll get into things here. So, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields uh, and, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat kernels. Some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for what the priests were to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 6. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to him, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. The Pharisees And the teachers of the law were overjoyed, and they began to discuss with one another how they might honor Jesus. (laughs) Oh, pardon me. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another how and what they might do to Jesus. In another version, it says they were filled with rage. They were really upset. Now, I have to tell you, when you read this passage, I kind of find it hard to relate to exactly where the Pharisees are coming from right now. Um, Why they were so angry. Is it like, can you guys not see the forest for the trees here? Uh, In their religious fervor, they had determined that healing constituted work. And so if Jesus, who had done some healing before on the Sabbath, if he was going to do some, perform healing, well, that was considered work, and that was wrong. Unless, of course, your life was in danger, that was a rule, then you could heal. Or if you had an eye infection, then, of course, you could see a doctor. Or if you had something in your throat, that was okay. But a shriveled hand didn't qualify. And so they determined that, no, this was work, and this was wrong. They didn't like Jesus healing on the Sabbath. They were also furious that Jesus kind of made an example of them, and that really got them upset because he said to them this. He said, haven't you read what David did? Now, just for a little bit of context, Pharisees spent years studying the scriptures. They knew it not just to understand it and to read it. They had memorized large parts. To ask a Pharisee if they had read what David did would be asking, would be asking a chef, do you know what a saucepan is? It would be like asking a dentist, are you familiar with cavities? Cavities? it would be asking like a teenager, are you familiar with TikTok? <laughs> They're just going to know. You know, even more stunning um, is in John chapter 5. Uh, we won't read it, but a, a man, you, you know, you'd probably know the story. He'd been crippled for 38 years and uh, the pool of Bethesda. And, of course, Jesus says to him, heals him, and then he says this, this great offense, pick up your mat and walk. And so, of course, this guy picks up his mat. He's been crippled for 38 years, and he's walking. And the Pharisees see this and say, what are you doing with your mat? And he's like, I know this guy healed me. And they recognize this man. And instead of being overjoyed that for 38 years this guy's laying on the mat, instead, what are they upset about? That he's he's walking with his mat. And I'm like, okay. You know, we read these, and it's, it's, it leads one to conclude that the Pharisees were drinking some religious Red Bull. Um, they were vibrating, they were vibrating with rule and regulation, jealousy and arrogance. But it's also easy for us today to really just dismiss that, to say, that's not who we are, and I totally don't get this, where they're coming from. But here's the reality, is that as Pharisees still exist today, and nobody wants to be what we would call a modern-day Pharisee, but it can happen, and it does happen. And you know what? It can happen in all of us. We can become modern-day Pharisees with things in our lives. More on that in a minute. But before we throw all of the Pharisees under the chariot, let's just keep in mind that Nicodemus... That was funnier than I thought it was. um, (laughs) Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he came to Jesus, albeit at night, and they had a discussion, and Jesus talked to him about this difficult theological concept of being born again, but he was soft. Joseph of Arimathea arranged for a Jesus' burial, and church history records that very likely both of these men and other Pharisees became followers of Jesus. We know Paul, of course, was... The Pharisee of Pharisees, and then had a a dramatic conversion experience, and then, you know, penned the majority of our New Testament books. But I'll tell you something, what do we think about people who spend and dedicate hours of their time to study and to memorize Scripture? What do we think of a person like that? I don't know about you, but I admire a person who does that. Uh, my wife is so faithful every morning. She's listening online right now because our dog is sick. Um, but um, she, every morning she's in the Word, and she's studying and, and, and praying, and um, she's way holier than I am. Um, but, you know, but, but here's this thought. This is what, I, this is what one commentator wrote, and, and it's something for us to chew on this morning, and that is this. Is it possible to read Scripture meticulously, to know the Bible inside and out from cover to cover, to be able to quote it verbatim and pass any examination on it, and yet completely miss its meaning? Why did the Pharisees miss the meaning, and why does that happen to us at times, too? See, the downfall was not who they were by title or education. Their downfall, among other things, was that there was a self-justification, a self-importance, and here it is, a big chasm, a big chasm between what they declared and demanded of others and what they themselves lived out. Translation, these men oftentimes didn't practice what they preached. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, looking really good on the outside, but somewhat not so rotten on the inside. I need to tell you about my favorite story from middle school, which at the time was called junior high. Maybe it's called foods class now, but back in my day it was called home ec. And uh, but we were in the. I've told this story maybe before, but you know. After 20 years, you use up all your good stories. Um, but uh, we were in foods class, and we were scheduled that day. You know how you get in pods of four, and there would be like six groups of four, and you'd be make food, and then you'd make it, and your teacher would grade it and that sort of thing? It was Nanaimo bars. That's what we were making, Nanaimo bars. And so, you know, there's the, the graham, crafer, uh, graham cr- cracker uh, uh, base, wafer, thank you, and then there's the, the, the custard, and then the chocolate. And then so our pot of four guys who kind of liked these four girls that were next to us, we had an idea. Well, actually, it was my idea. It was a brilliant idea. And that was instead, in ours, we were making ours. And I said, let's not add the cup of sugar that it calls for. Instead, let's add a cup of salt. And so that's what we did. Into the custard, we spun in a cup of salt instead now, everybody's making the same thing, and everyone has the same pans, and then what we do is that when we, you set it, you put the chocolate over top, and then you put it in the home ec fridge with tin foil over top and masking tape, and you write your names on it. They all look the same. And so I waited till class was over and I snuck back in and I simply opened the fridge and I looked to the girl across that, Tammy, I see her name, and I switched the tinfoil. And then we come back to foods class the next day and then we cut them all up and then the teacher comes around and grades them. Okay, what does, you know, what does it look like and how's the appearance and all this kind of thing? And we're like, yeah, it looks good, you know. And then... We quickly just started to gobble ours down, and they were very tasty, and we're waiting. <laughs> we're waiting for it to hit. And then these girls who were just beside us, they take a piece, and they bite it, and they're like, oh, this actually tastes quite good. And we're like looking at each other like, what is the... When all of a sudden, across the room, there were shrieks of horror. It was the girl Tammy. There was two Tammies, and I confused the names, and it was the girl over there. <laughs> anyway, shrieks of horror. Well, we, needed, we, we knew that at that moment, we needed to be a band of brothers. Like there, we, we entered into a pack. There was no way we were going to say anything. Everybody knew it was us. We were not admitting one thing. <laughs> Got away with it totally. Those Nanaimo bars looked really good on the outside, but there was something really, really bad about them. The, the taste was wrong. That was a Pharisee heart. So here's my question for us. And we're, in the last few weeks, we've been doing things where we've been kind of getting together and, 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 and uh, getting in small groups and talking about things. We're going to do that again today, but... Um, Here's my question, and, you know, it's not going to likely be the Sabbath over, you know, we're not going to probably debate about that, but can we fall into the same trap? A modern-day pharisaical mindset where our spoken values, our way of doing things, who we interact with and who we won't, doesn't really reflect the values of the kingdoms. Do we have blind spots where we've studied the red letters of Scripture, we know all the right things to say, and yet we find ourselves wearing the cantaloupe jacket. Have a look. That fell in the cantaloupe jacket.
0: Good to see it. <laughs> Thank you. Just
1: remind to it, Richard, but put that right Hello, back to yeah. the start.
0: Oh, last year right to I the start the of this visiting. clip,
1: not at 105. So from the beginning.
0: Uh oh. If you just start that clip right from the
1: beginning. Yeah, that's at the end of the clip. I just need it at the beginning. And then you could turn it up. Is that coming? I'm really hoping to see this clip if we can. (laughs) No? Okay. Well, we can listen. We, well, you need both. <laughs> How many people went to see Jesus' Revolu- Re- revolution? So there's a moment in Jesus' revolution where they're lined up to get into church. And if you still have the clip, if you can get it going, you can get it rolling. And th- they're lined up, and there is the... the the Kelsey Grammer character Chuck Smith I think and he's washing all of these Jesus hippies feet as they're coming to church and he's welcoming them to church and then this guy arrives who's obviously been a part of the church for a number of years he and his wife and he gets out of the car and he's just like stunned and of course he's wearing this cantaloupe jacket and then he walks past, oh here we go, are we ready? All right, here we go What is going on? Just place that right over so there on that towel. And there's other one here.
0: There we go. Yeah. So Baptize these feet in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, welcome to church. you. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Let's have that foot, please.
1: This is terrific. OK. Place them both on that towel, and then step on into church. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How
0: are you? Good. Let's have that foot. Have that
1: other foot. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go sit next to that fella in the cantaloupe jacket? Good to see you. you. So, welcome to Jerry's. Okay, that's great. Right. Thanks. Do we all wear the cantaloupe jacket at times? God might be doing amazing things, but it may not fit within the framework of our faith box. It's just not the way that we've done it before. What might cause us to squirm in our seats, cause us to withdraw back into the four walls that which is familiar, that which is comfortable, that which is known? What would offend us today that did not offend Jesus in the least Likely not Sabbath rule and regulation. But this is where, you may or may not have heard of these guys. A few have. This is where the Barna Group comes in. The Barna Group, B-A-R-N-A, the Barna Group is a Christian organization that asks questions of Christians. And they, they, they study, and they put out surveys, and they interview. And they interviewed thousands of people, and they started to ask them some questions. And here's what they did. They looked at the Gospels, they looked at the Epistles, and they came up with what they believed were five sentences or statements that captured the actions of Jesus. And they came up with five other statements that captured the attitudes of Jesus. And then they took it and they flipped it around. And they came up with five attitudes that really described the Pharisees and they came up with five more actions that really described the Pharisees, and then they interviewed thousands of people. And you know what happened in the interview? I won't give you all the details, but the findings, they found that 51% of Christians actually leaned more toward more Pharisaical action and attitude more than Jesus' action and attitude. So that's what we're gonna look at now. We're gonna look at these 20. So five questions, or five statements, and, and if you need to take a picture of this, or, you know, some people process this slower and different than others, you can do that. But uh, you can just put that up, um, Starla. And these are, these are, in Scripture, what people have, what the Barna group has determined are the five prominent attitudes of Jesus. First is this. I see God-given value in every person, regardless of their past present condition. I believe God is for everyone. I see God working in people's lives even when they are not following him. It is more important to help people know God is for them rather than make sure that they know that they are sinners. And I feel compassion for people who are not following God and doing immoral things. Those are... The attitudes, that of Jesus. Now, what about the actions of Jesus? The actions are this. I listen to others to learn their story before telling them about my faith. In recent years, I have influenced multiple people to consider following Christ. I regularly choose to have meals with people with very different faith or morals from me. I try to discover the needs of non-Christians rather than waiting for them to come to me, and I am personally spending time with non-believers to help them follow Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. Starla, I think you can put up the next slide, which has all 10. Is that right? We have all 10 there. And this is what I want you to do. Just with the, the people beside you, uh, the people that, that are here, I want you to take two or three minutes, and this is what I want you to do. When you look at this, what would you consider to be for yourselves maybe a strength? Yeah, but yeah, you know, this is an area where, and what would you consider in your personal life? This would be a stretch for me, a strength and a stretch. Take two minutes with the people who brought you, people you came to church with, or if you came by yourself, somebody who's around you. Take a couple of minutes and discuss these attitudes and actions of Jesus and how they relate to where your life is at right now. Okay, let's have your attention back here. Let's see if our church actually, if this is consistent with what the Barna Group discovered. And that was, you know what? When 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 we talk about the attitudes of Jesus, I can kind of connect with most of those attitudes. Like, I I, I understand that and kind of connect with that. But when it comes to the actions of Jesus, that's where the stretch comes for me. If that's your reality, is that is that making sense for some? Yeah. And I think that that is where, uh, for most, that is where the gap is or the chasm between the attitude or the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus. In a few weeks, Caleb's going to be teaching on Zacchaeus, and and I won't steal your thunder on that, but there's the one super powerful statement that Jesus makes as he looks up at Zacchaeus in that tree, and he makes this statement, and he says this, Today, I'm coming to your house. Today, I'm coming to your house. And out of that starts this, we're not going to the synagogue. We're not going, you know, to the, the city center where, you know, men meet and discuss, you know, things. It's like, I'm coming to your place. And I think there's something significantly powerful in the ministry of Jesus when we are willing to go outside of the four walls and to go meet people where they are at. Many years ago, I worked at B.C. Tell. That's how long ago it was, not called Tell. It's called B.C. Tell put myself through school back in my 20s and I'm working in the maintenance and janitorial area at night so I can go to school during the day. And it's 11 o'clock on a Friday night. We're just about to get off. And one of the guys have been there for about a week and he comes and he says to me, hey, a bunch of the guys are going out afterwards out to, you know, like the restaurant or the pub or whatever. Do you want to come and join us? Right? Third, fourth year Bible college, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, no, uh, no, I can't make it, I'm sorry, you know, insert lame excuse here. They were polite to me for the rest of the time that I was there and for the many months that I was there. Never once did I get another invitation, never once did I have an interesting conversation. You know why? Because they invited me to their turf and I said, no thanks, Fast forward to the time that in between the church that we were at before we came here, I spent two years working at a school, Gordie Howe Middle School. In fact, I think I have a photo of that because Gordie Howe came to the school. And I got, that's me, a much younger looking version of me. (laughs) And if you like Gordie, I mean, that guy had hands the size of dinner plates anyway. And he could throw elbows. (laughs) Anyway, so um, go to Gordie Howe Middle School. And um, I'm there on like as a youth care worker, not a teacher, like a youth worker, you know, working with kids at challenge or whatever. Um, it's Friday afternoon, and they say, "Hey, we're we're having a library meeting, which you know is code for right, have a library meeting. Would you join us?" And I'm like, "Yes, I will." go out to the library meeting, the local pub, and we have conversation there, and it was like I was taking the invitation that they received, meeting them on their turf, and in the two years that I was in that school, I had so many conversations with staff members about faith and connection. You know why? Because I was willing to meet them on their turf. You know what happens in 44 days from today? Does anybody know what 44 days from today is? It's New Year's Day. 44 days. It's New Year's Day. Tuesday, September the 5th. That's New Year's Day, isn't it? In our co- don't worry about January the 1st. <laughs> Tuesday, September the 5th is New Year's Day. 44 days from today. And this is my question to us. When that day comes and all the schedules get reset and all the things are starting to happen and all the sign-ups are going on and we're launching into the new thing, is it possible for you to decide, you know what, this year, I'm going to meet somebody on their turf. Maybe it's your kid's soccer program that they're signing up for, and you're going to start to be purposeful about making connections with the parents and the soccer team. Maybe you're going to join a fitness class. Maybe maybe it's going to be a colleague at work. I have to tell you, and I've probably said this before, I'm kind of down on church leagues, church softball leagues, church hockey leagues. Why do we do that? Like, go join the beer league and connect with people, and then when you go out for a beer, or afterwards for a coffee, or a donut, or whatever it is, you have a conversation, pretty soon they're going to say, so tell me about you. And you have a chance to make connections with people who are outside the walls of the church. 44 days to start up. I would just encourage you, As you set your calendars and you set your schedules for this year, how might it be that this year you decide, I'm going to go and meet somebody on their turf? Sorry, Caleb. I hope that that was okay. I know you're preaching on that in a few weeks. (laughs) All right. So those are some Jesus attitudes. Jesus was willing to meet people on their turf. What about the Pharisaic attitudes? What about some of the things that Pharisees were leaning toward more of a Pharisaic attitude, of which all of us are going to fall into some of these camps, okay? I find, so we can put up that first one, the attitudes of a Pharisee. I find it hard to be friends with people who seem to constantly do the wrong things, It's not my responsibility to help people who won't help themselves. I feel grateful to be a Christian when I see other people's failures and flaws. I believe that we should stand against those who are opposed to Christian values. People who follow God's rules are better than those who do not. And just a couple of bonus modern-day Pharisee moments uh, probably spending more time talking about what's wrong than talking about what's right, uh, making every issue a black and white issue. Everything's black and white. Well, we live in a nuanced world, and you know. And, and this last one, and that is, you know, that you would and that we would excuse in secret what we would speak against in public. What about the actions of the Pharisees? I tell others the most important thing in my life is following God's rules. I don't talk about my sins and struggles. That's between me and God. I avoid spending time with people who are LGBTQ. I don't point out to those who have, uh, pardon me, I like to point out those who do not have the right theology or doctrine what, you know, you call it, right? Women in the pulpit, gifts of the spirit, Calvinism versus Arminianism. You're there for the fight. I prefer to serve or help people who attend my church rather than those outside the church. In other words, I like to volunteer inside the church. I don't really have any interest in volunteering outside the church. More of a Pharisee. Yeah. I know, Sarah, you don't have an answer for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> put up the double slide, back into your groups, take a couple of minutes, and let's talk about these things that are more lean toward those things that are pharisaical, okay? Here we go. Okay, thank you. You can uh, you can turn your chairs back around. Would there be two or three who would be willing to come and just share some of the discussion within your group? There was a hot point uh, that you would be... Willing to share your modern-day pharisaical tendencies with us in confession? Anybody who wants to come forward? Come on up. Okay, let's call it in. Can we bring it in? Is that okay? Okay, let's hear some of the things. So in my group, I was with Will and Eli... And we were talking about the things, and one of the things that came up is we feel really a need to defend our faith with, like, fighting. Like, we want to be like, you don't have Christian values, you don't believe the same thing as me? Well, I know that we are better, so we want to, like, fight. We have trouble loving well and connecting and not in a way that does not put us above them. We're like, well, we're better, and we're, like, reaching down. We just felt the need to, like, fight and, like, say, like, we are better, and, like, we have the better values, and we have God with us, so we're better than you. And so, something that we have to grow and something that we have to... Just be veteran, I guess, and just with God 's help, we have to learn to love well We fight right when when jesus when Peter cut off malchus 's ear, Jesus said, "Now cut the other one off, right? <laughs> Not quite.
0: For me, it was the one about um, standing against people of non Christian values. And I think that it's really important not to confuse the principle with the person. Like stand against the action or what they like the outcome, but speak well of the person.
1: One more. Jacob. Uh, Yeah, I just feel like I more relate toward the, it's not my responsibility to help people who won't. Help themselves. Sometimes I'm trying to help somebody and they're just like they just have no interest in taking steps forward. I just get tired and annoyed and I just want to be like, okay, I'm gonna focus on other people that that are actually gonna make choices for moving forward and it kinda I don't know. That's sort of what I relate to more. Just if there is one more, I could say one more. Bruce.
0: Mine is a little strange. Surprise, surprise, yes. I would say that I recognize I'm very pharisaical, judgmental, and critical against healthy Christians. And what I mean by that is that Jesus didn't come for the healthy but the sick. And people that give me an image of a healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy, wonderful life, uh, everything inside me goes Bullshit. Because we're broken, we're broken people, we're messed up, we're flawed. So I'm most judgmental and critical that people that portray an image in their Christian faith, that to me I find fraudulent, and I have to have grace for a religious spirit or for perfectionism. And so that's where I am very pharisaical, just so you know. (laughs) So you can call me on it if I abuse you (laughs) and I'm condemning and shaming you in any way. Anyway, that's my pendulum swing.
1: I find myself very pharisaical against... People who swear in church. I just <laughs> I just have such a hard time with that. But not in this church. <laughs> Last couple thoughts, and that is Pharisaical living. Pharisaical living sucks the joy. The purpose, mission, sucks the joy, the purpose, and the peace from our lives. Um, I I just don't really ever see in Scripture Jesus living on the defensive, being also on the, like, you know, when there's a tug-of-war, and you know that feeling when you're on the losing end of a tug-of-war, and you're just straining for all you can just to hold some ground? Uh, I just don't really witness that in the life life of Jesus. But this pharisaical living, this wearing the cantaloupe jacket, it not only eats away at the fabric of our lives, but what it can do is like it pulls the pin on a grenade that just spreads shrapnel to those that are around us. That's what pharisaical living does. And I know all of us would say that's not what we want, but that's just what we need to be on guard against. And it may not revolve around the Sabbath or certain rule keeping, but we want to be as a community, as a people of faith, authentic people with the attitudes and the actions, even though that may be challenging for us, of Jesus Last thought, and that is, it's verse 9 in the story that we read, where Jesus says to them, you know, let me ask you a question. Which is better, to heal or to do harm on the Sabbath? That's what he's asking these Pharisees. And I think that's the question for us today. In the interactions that we have, the connections that we make online, in person, in our writing, in our otherwise... Are we the type of people that are bringing healing or those who are bringing harm? And I would encourage us that we would be a people that bring healing to a broken world. Yeah. Bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church sermon of the week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.